0: Last contact came at 3 a.m. last Wednesday, requesting clearance to dive deeper off the coast of Bali. What happened next is terrifying. An oil slick at the surface, just north of Bali. Where was the submarine? It had gone missing. Indonesian naval submarine is known as KRI Nangala 402. Last Wednesday, it requested to dive deeper into the Pacific, off the coast of Bali. They were launching torpedoes for drills. After that, contact was lost. 53 seamen on board. Sadly, just a couple of days ago, the Indonesian government found the sub on the seabed broken into three pieces. All sailors presumed dead. But a video has surfaced featuring many of the crews singing a famous Indonesian farewell song recorded a couple of weeks prior to the accident. An ironic goodbye indeed. We pray for the families. Lord be with them. His loving care draws near to the brokenhearted. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. We're in a series this week called Great Gospel Verses. Fear Factor. Remember that show from several years ago? It was a TV game show that thankfully was canceled. It was a rat-eating, gross-out game show that is no more. The fear factor plays a major role in every one of our lives. We want people to like us. We want to do good things and be perceived as a good person. In the Christian world, it's given rise to high moral living that we try and pull off ourselves. Countless people I've talked to about faith in my lifetime, and they've told me, I think I live a pretty good life. I deserve to go to heaven. But if we believe that any amount of our moral goodness can lead us to heaven, we're dead wrong. This belief is a false gospel and not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been around forever. The Bible clearly teaches one is only saved by the grace and faith given by the Lord. You can't earn your salvation. It's a gift from God from the death Jesus died on the cross. In these minutes together, I want to look at a great gospel passage that we all know, but is not so understood. It's found in Luke 12, where we also read about trying to live your life on sinking sand. But before that, Jesus said, Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. What did he mean? And how does Jesus call us out of moralism? Stay with me to learn more. And then after the program, I'd like to send you a special documentary that will help you better understand the false gospels that are floating around in the church today, like moralism. We
1: want to, first of all, say there's nothing wrong with preaching morality. We certainly don't want to preach the opposite, immorality. But moralistic preaching, or sometimes identified as moralism, is preaching the commands of Scripture or the morals of Scripture and nothing else. Just pretty much saying to people, you be a good person, and God will love you for that. And while we do not intend it, that is not just a sub-Christian message, it's actually an anti-Christian message. The messages that just say be good damn people. To their pride or to despair. There are really only two possible human responses. One response to a be good message is been there, done that, checked off that box.
2: The person will believe they can attain it, be the Pharisee, um, and work and work and work and work, or be the Mormon, (laughs) work and work, or the Muslim or the Jehovah's Witness, all of them. (laughs) You'll, You'll try to earn salvation by trying to be a good person.
0: An excerpt from American Gospel, Christ Alone. It's a documentary that we'll hear more from, this incredible film that you need to see. But let me say that not only does this film expose false teachings like moralism and the word of faith movement, it also does a great job of explaining the gospel as found in the Bible. Get a copy of American Gospel, Christ Alone, for yourself by making a gift to the ministry. Or get the five-pack bundle so you can share it with friends and family who need to know the good news of Jesus Christ. We'll hear testimonies at the end of the program on how God has used this movie to save people. It's a great evangelism tool. After the program, you just need to call us at 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us at haventoday.org and watch a preview of the DVD. You can make your gift there as well. The website, once again, you need to go to is Today org. And now we open the program with Rush of Fools.
2: I've been here before. Now here I am again, standing at the door. Pray Would be only scratching the surface of who I've known
0: This is Haven Today all week, a series called Great Gospel Verses. I'm Charles Morris, and we just heard Rush of Fools with their song called Undo. Today we're looking at Pharisees and the warning that Jesus gave to his followers about their teachings. Now, the word Pharisee today represents a complete hypocrite, someone who looks good on the outside but is rotten to the core. But you have to remember, back in the days of Jesus, the Pharisees were revered. They were deeply religious, and everyone then looked up to them, at least in Israel. But their teachings were full of moralism, and led many astray, like the young man Jesus spoke to who wanted to know what he needed to do to gain eternal life. Jesus
1: is walking down the road uh, one day, and a young man comes up to him and says, "Uh, Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it sounds like a very safe question. It's actually a landmine. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Already it's about performance. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus responds with great wisdom. He says, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he says, you know the commandments.
2: But Joy, then what, But what is the standard of goodness? Be good that, to your neighbor, don't cheat okay, on your husband, but, don't steal. In the,
1: Don't lie, don't steal. Gives them the list of the commands.
2: But in the Bible, God's standard is the Ten Commandments. I'm good on that too.
1: And the young man immediately says, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus just said, only God is good. And two seconds later, what does the young man say? Me too! In which case, he gives himself the status and the stature of God. It's just pure pride. And by the way, breaks the very first
0: commandment, you shall have no other gods.
2: You've never told a lie before, ever? Oh, what, is that one of the commandments? It's a commandment. Yeah, it's
0: a moment from the American Gospel documentary. And we heard my friend, Pastor Brian Chapel, sharing the story about the young man who wanted to gain eternal life by doing good. And edited in between, there's a discussion that happened on ABC's The View, where one of the hosts sounded very much like this young man Jesus was speaking to. Luke tells us in his gospel that Jesus had deeply offended the Pharisees, the religious establishment of his day. It's hard for us to grasp the huge influence that these men wielded. They were scrupulous law keepers. No one questioned their authority in matters of religion. The closest comparison would be to an imam in a Muslim community. In a religious culture, the experts on God's law, the ones who speak for God, and they have great power. No one dares oppose them. People live in fear of their wrath. The Bible tells us the disciples really didn't want Jesus to offend the Pharisees. They were probably excited when he was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner. Maybe they were starting to accept him. But no to their dismay. He used the opportunity to rake them over the coals. Luke tells us when Jesus left there, The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak to his disciples. The Pharisees were mad, and now the crowd was out of control. It was probably a mixed group, hecklers, doubters, and people who wondered if Jesus really was the Messiah. His popularity was stirring up so much excitement that at some point Rome would probably see him as a threat. If you were suspected of insurrection, the result was a torturous public crucifixion. In the midst of this shaky situation, with the fear factor running high, Jesus spoke, not to the crowd, but to his disciples. Listen to Luke 12:1 through seven. Listen to a great Bible passage that I want us to consider: Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now that's the passage that I want us to consider, but let's keep reading. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So there you have it. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. So what did he mean? The answer can lead you out of a moralistic gospel that's false and into the true gospel of grace that Jesus came to give. Two things. First, we need freedom from hypocrisy. And second, we need freedom from people pleasing. Jesus has the cure for both of these fear producing problems. He knows how to set us free. But be warned, his cure is radical. So first, we need freedom from hypocrisy. Jesus knows that hidden things create fear. The Pharisees had mastered the art of hiding. They lived behind a mask. Jesus said the yeast of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. It's a Greek word that refers to the theater, to actors putting on a mask so they can appear to be someone they are not. Jesus just got through telling them at the dinner party that they were like dishes that had been cleaned on the outside, but inside were full of greed and wickedness. He exposed them, and their response was anger, mad anger. Their hypocrisy had infected them like yeast. Do-gooding had spread through their hearts until they were convinced that they were righteous. They got angry with Jesus because he threatened the thing that gave them their identity." Now, Jesus was telling his disciples, just like he's still telling us, to beware of the yeast that had infected the Pharisees, the yeast of hypocrisy. And his cure is radical. He brings us face to face with judgment. He says there's going to be a judgment. Everything hidden is going to be exposed. Our secrets will no longer stay secret. We are not as good as we want people to think we are. Jesus was rooting out the fear of trying to hide by telling us we cannot hide. Do you remember when you were a child playing hide and seek? It was kind of a scary thing to hide. You're under the bed. The one who's it opens the door. You see her feet, and then she lifts up the bedspread, and there's her face. You're found. It was just a game, but it made your heart pound, didn't it? hiding creates fear and jesus wants to bring us out from under the bed or out of the closet or wherever it is we're fearfully hiding and hoping not to be found the answer to the fear of hiding is to come out to go ahead and get everything out on the table confess it all come clean Being a hypocrite is a fear-filled way to live. We cannot hide. Everything is going to be exposed on the day of judgment. Get ready for the day of judgment by dropping your act. Let down your mask and let Jesus into your heart now. What a relief it is. What freedom to come clean, to confess all our greed and self-love, all our ugly thoughts. And what happens when we do? Jesus forgives it all. He gives us a clean conscience. A guilty conscience is like a telltale heart. But when we bring our hidden fears out into the open, our hearts stop pounding. Jesus forgives us and gives us an amazing peace. But second, we need freedom from people pleasing. This is where trying to live out a moralistic gospel on your own will lead you. Jesus knows that a lot of our fear comes from fearing others the disciples were feeling a lot of that kind of fear with the pharisees turning on jesus and the unruly crowd pressing in jesus goes right to the bottom line of what people can do to you they can kill you sounds like the ultimate threat but it's not after that they can do no more in other words there's a much more ultimate threat than death it's what happens after that after death Jesus is giving us the same radical cure for people-pleasing that he gave for hypocrisy. He's bringing us face-to-face with coming judgment. He obviously intended to give his friends a shock, but also a radical cure. He says, I tell you, friends, he's still talking to his disciples, and he's lovingly putting the fear of God into them. God not only can kill you, he can do more. He has the power to throw you into Gehenna. Gehenna was a valley where in First 1 Kings 11.7, the people sacrificed their children to the god Molech. It was just outside the walls of ancient Jerusalem, and it was considered to be cursed. That's why in Jesus' day, it was a garbage dump, a landfill that was always burning. They burned the trash, and Jesus used it as a picture of hell. Death isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. So don't fear those who can merely kill you. Fear the one who has the power to determine your ultimate destiny. Fear the one who has the power to judge and to throw you into Gehenna. The fear of God is a good thing. The scriptures recommend it from Genesis to Revelation as a very healthy, fear-free fear to have. Once you fear God... Then all the other fears shrink down to size and pass away. It doesn't mean being terrorized by God. It means respecting God, loving God, orienting your life to God and not yourself. There's nothing like a big fear to cure a little fear. There's nothing like the fear of God to cure the fear of others. Who do you fear? Or to put it another way, who do you fear not pleasing? Whose opinion? Rule you. Whose approval do you crave? It's not just our bosses, our landlords, our teachers, the people who have power over us. It's our neighbors, our very friends. We live in fear of making a bad impression. We want approval. We don't want to be criticized or disliked. We want to be admired. My wife Janet and I went to a funeral a few years ago in a small town where we used to live. Janet told me that she was feeling nervous about going back there because you live in a glass bubble, a glass house in a small town. People gossip about you. They judge you. She was planning what to wear and what to say based on what people might say about her. We've all been there. And the answer, the cure for that anxious way of life is to fear the Lord, love him with all our hearts. Follow him above all else. And that is a liberating way to live. Jesus tells us in Luke 12, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God.
3: My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead. Wash me anew In the wine Of your blood My eyes Are dry My faith Is old My heart Is hard My prayers are cold And I Ought to be alive to you and dead to me oh what can be done for an old heart like mine soft me anew in the wind of your
0: way back in 1978 Keith Green sang that song my eyes are dry here on haven today I'm Charles Morris and a program called Great Gospel Verses It's so important that we understand what the Bible really has to say about the gospel Many today are teaching it's Christ plus something your works your moralism your positive thinking, your own goodness. But the Bible clearly teaches we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. And this true gospel is clearly presented in the documentary called American Gospel, Christ Alone. This movie takes a hard look at North American moralistic Christianity and the word of faith movement. But more than that, it conveys the true Life-Transforming Gospel of Salvation Through Grace by Faith in Christ Alone. This documentary is a tool you can use to share the gospel with those you love. And to help you do that, we have a five-pack of these DVDs that you can easily give away for your minimum gift to the ministry. Or if you just make a gift of any amount to the ministry, we'll send you a single copy of the DVD, American Gospel, You just need to call us right now. Call us at 800-654-2836. Once again, our number is 800-65-HAVEN. Or watch the preview we've put up online, and you can make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? when again we get to share together the great story, the true story. It's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest an invitation from Jesus in Matthew 11. It's the greatest, most generous invitation anyone in the history of the world has ever received. No king, no president, no prime minister in history could match it, and yet so few people take up the king of heaven on his offer of rest. Maybe that's partly because to appreciate what Jesus offers, you have to know deep down that you are weak and weary and that the burden of sin is too heavy for you. The offer is there for saint and sinner alike. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.